0: You're listening to episode 256 of the 200 Churches Podcast.
1: When the people in your church found out, how did they end up finding out? How did you share that with them?
2: I shared it with them on a Sunday morning. At the end of the service, I I shared with them what was going on.
1: And you had been at the church for how long at that point? A few months? Several months? Yeah, a few months. Yeah, yeah, three or four months. And what were some of the responses after the service to you?
2: Uh, One one kind lady came up and said, well...
1: Welcome to the 200 Churches
2: Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a legit episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now, here are two guys who have been encouraging thousands of pastors all around the world for almost five years. Good friends, pastors, and podcast partners,
0: Jeff and Johnny.
1: This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Jeff Cady. I am here in the opulent and luxurious 200 Churches Podcast studio with a new good friend and my old friend Johnny Craig, am I the? That's what I am now. I've been relegated to old friend. You're the old friend and right. and, and one time co-host. <laughs> <laughs> too real, too oh, real. Oh yeah. So last week I talked about digging up and unearthing some real live small church pastors, and yeah. uh, the person with us today is not is not the one I was talking about. There's actually another one but uh, i got to sit and talk with the pastor here in my community and i after talking with him i said hey in fact about five minutes into it i knew that i'm going to invite you over to be on our podcast so why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners
2: okay my name is mark young i pastor the first christian church Sharon newton disciples of christ been in town 11 years been in ministry for 43 years started out when i was pretty young yeah yeah went to small college in south dakota Served uh, churches in Iowa. All my ministry. The longest one was in Clarion for 19 years. So uh, love
0: church and love being a pastor.
1: Wow, Johnny, 43 years.
0: Man, if I'm if I'm still a pastor in 43 years, that'd be a minor miracle. That, that's that, m- that's more than <laughs> you and I combined. <laughs> that's a lot. when you say it like that, man. That's a long time. 40, and you don't look that old, Mark. I know. Were you a, did you start when you were 12?
1: I don't know. I'll be young all my life. That's right. The Reverend Mark Young from, tell me the name of the church again. First Christian Church. First Christian Church.
0: Does that make your church the second Christian church? I've always wondered about that.
1: Uh, It's not even a Christian church. Mine isn't. (laughs) It doesn't have Christian in the name.
0: Uh, Yes, it does. It's a Christian Missionary Alliance
1: Church. Yeah, but uh, we don't actually have Christian in the official name of the church. I see, I see, I see. Okay yeah so anyway mark is here johnny why don't you uh start out why don't you riddle him with some questions
0: riddle him with some questions well i am interested in two things that you said first i'm interested in this small bible college in south dakota uh how small was it haha and then also is it still around and then i have a question about you know 43 years of ministry but well, let's start with the college how small was it and is it still around it was it was um
2: Quite small. Our basketball team could fit in one car to go play other colleges. Uh, (laughs) But uh, when I started uh, my freshman year, we had, I think, 17 freshmen. Ended up with five of us that graduated that year. Wow! Um, Wow. It is no longer around. I think it closed in the mid-80s. It's hard to believe a college
0: that vibrant and and alive would be. Yeah, there you go.
2: One of the reasons, one of its purposes, I think, was to help serve the churches of Christ, Christian churches in South Dakota. So we sure. did a, we did a lot of stuff going out into the the area towns and and working with the pastors
0: and and getting hands on ministry things. So forty three years, I want you to tell me the craziest PG thirteen story. I don't want your rated R stories. I know every pastor has those. I want your craziest, you know, PG-13 level story. This is a family podcast from 43 stinking years in ministry. Oh, my.
2: There's so many of them. We did a funeral one time for a man who died young, uh, actually committed suicide. But we were out at the cemetery, and after I got done with my service, uh, one of his friends stood up and said, I want to say a few things about George, and mentioned that uh, they were talking about how, what they'd like to come back as and. And George said he wanted to come back as a pigeon. And uh, the friend said, Well, why would you want to come back as a pigeon? He said, Well, so I could come back and go to the park and eat birdseed and poop on the statues. Then he said, Whenever you think of George, think of, uh, whenever you see a pigeon, think of George. And uh, I thought I was in a Seinfeld (laughs) episode there. Uh, (laughs) The funeral director and I could not talk the 17 miles back to town. We were laughing so hard. It was hilarious. Yeah, and then his ex wife got out and threw out birdseed for George. So it was quite a oh man,
0: quite okay. a scene. <laughs> that is that's a good one. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that's pretty. That
1: good. that is good. And, um, and you know, it's crazy though that something like that would be connected to a funeral where, unfortunately, the person took their own life. It is true. Yeah, right. Because yeah. you know you don't have that many of those kinds of funerals. So to have that attached to that is is crazy. Johnny, you've done have you done a funeral yet?
0: Just one. Just, just one funeral. Just one, yep.
1: huh? Okay.
0: I'm um, there. Will be many more to come. Probably nobody who wants to reincarnate as a pigeon. Are you counting? I, but I'm never say never. Never say never. So Mark, how many churches have you served in? Let's see. I started in Mason City,
2: went to Lewis, Iowa, uh, Clarion, Clear Lake, and now Newton. Five. Five churches. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Other than your current one, what was your what was your favorite ministry? Was there one where that you really enjoyed or you felt like you were more effective or productive over the others? Uh, you know, I, I've, I've never been in a church where I
2: felt like I didn't, did, did not enjoy that. Uh, I've been blessed. 19 years, certainly in one town, has the dynamics of eventually becoming the town pastor. I mean, you, you just kind of are out there and, and people know you well. But um, I'm having a riot here. I, maybe God saved the best for last. I don't know. But it's a, it's a great group of people and just having a great time.
1: So what distinctives about your current ministry that you really enjoy?
2: Uh, the people here are, are just great about getting out. Uh, I might go make a hospital call, and three of my people have already been to see them. Uh, they take okay. food to people. You don't have to tell them what to do. They They are just hands-on ministry, just wonderful getting out to take care of one another they do a great job
1: and you were saying when we were in your in your worship area that the place appreciates your humor they, <laughs> they allow you to be yourself and they're not all stuffy
2: that's true um yeah sometimes you know i just say things that maybe
1: my wife might say why,
2: say why did you say those things but they just come out but my people are great they they allow me to be me. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most.
0: That is good. It's good to feel like you can be yourself. I will say, I want to protect the innocent in this story, but I will say somebody said to me last week, I said I was having some misgivings about my sermon and they said, ah, just get up and tell jokes. People love that. And I was like, oh, okay. I just became the clown of the church. So, as long as the as long as the humor comes effortlessly, and not because you don't want to be the stand up comedian, that's just kind of funny to me.
2: Yeah, on, the, on the flip side of that though, I can be myself in in cry in front of them and share my heart with them, let yeah. them know where you know where I'm at in my struggles, even as a human being and being as in as a pastor. I mean that's one of the things that, that I, I feel very comfortable just being me.
0: That's cool. How long did it take you? Maybe I'll ask it this way. How long did it take you to get comfortable in that space, oh. in your own skin? I mean, because it, it, there is a sense of like pastors need to be blah, 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 blah. And so how long did it take you to get up there and be open and honest and vulnerable?
2: I think that happened in the 19-year ministry because after so many years, you can't hide anything. <laughs> you know, you can't fool the people. You can't blow smoke over them. They, they just know— who you are, so to try to pretend that you're not, that you're something else than what you are. So, So I think that longer ministry gives you that comfortable place in ministry where you can do that and you realize as you open yourself up and you let people know who you are, when you go to the next ministry, it's way easier to do because you realize that's a healthier way to do ministry with people
0: did you ever have like uh, like a sense like a recognition that that was emerging and a fear of like how that would be received like if if i am myself will there be blowback was there ever blowback i mean cuz i think some pastors that's the fear right is like if i am my authentic self in front of these people with these people they'll either reject me or not like it or whatever i mean did you have those feelings or or did you ever have an experience like that?
2: Oh, certainly <laughs> many times. Uh, I think one that stands out in my mind was uh, I had a niece that passed away in Arizona and she was three or four and I went down to tell uh, Sunday school class was meeting of older people. I was young in ministry and um, said was crying about it and the comment that came back to me through one of the le- men in leadership was that I should have been able to handle myself and been more composed and not cried about that in front of the people. So that that was yeah, that was very real to me. Yeah. In that. Um but through working with the church and working through things and realizing that I'm me and
1: I can't I can't hide those feelings. How long ago was that when that happened?
2: That would have been probably maybe eighty two, eighty three, so it was Quite a few years, yeah. ago. yeah, yeah, and back it, in the olden days. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it
1: was, and was it was different then, wasn't it? It certainly was. You yeah. know, because you, you the pastor. See, Johnny, this is a perfect example. The pastor was supposed to have it all together, correct? Right, right, right. I mean, you can't you can't fall apart in front of your people, which would be defined as fall apart, right? Right, definitely. Yeah. But today, if you were to do that today, what do you think you would hear?
2: I'd get hugs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be loved. Different, yeah, different.
1: Different dynamics in churches today. So, speaking of, I mean, you you can go back. You know, you've been doing this for a while. What what are some of the differences in church ministry today, church leadership today, and even out in the broader pastoral circles that you see uh, the different approach to ministry by pastors today? From what it was when the first five years you started? It's a good question. I think one
2: of the things that has changed is our availability. I remember when I got my first pager and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> I know. And now with a cell phone, it's like you're there 24 hours a day. And people can get a hold of you about anything. And to me, that has changed because you, you know the phone would ring and leave. If you had an answer machine, then it'd leave an answer, uh, message on your answer machine, and you'd have to call them back. It would take a while for the pastor to be available. Today, it's like they want you right now. And yeah. and and that that to me is one of the biggest dynamics that has changed society. So
1: so since. how do you manage that reality?
2: Set boundaries. Yeah, you have to set healthy healthy boundaries uh, so that your time is is and that's hard to do because you care about your people so much you want to be there for them and you want to be available for them but also there's only so much you can do
1: johnny how do you ha- i mean you don't always much to my chagrin <laughs> you're not always responsive to me so how do you you know how do you manage that do you just you just turn your phone off or, or what do you do because you've got four little kids at home and a wife and what do you do with that
0: you know i probably should turn my phone off the church i work at doesn't list our cell phone numbers and so if someone calls for me they have to call the office and then it has to get put through if i'm in the office they you know they can put it through to my extension or whatever um but if i'm out of the office mega church pastor (laughs) okay (laughs) come on (laughs) It's so, not like that. So
1: basically, he's distanced. There Mark, you go. he's distanced oh, from his people. Okay,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Continue. Continue.
0: Well, then. So if they call the office and need the pastor, then the then you know our one of our receptionists or our uh, admins would forward that message along, and I'd probably just take stock of the level of important, not importance, but the level of urgency on it, and make a decision about how to handle it. I try on Fridays to not uh so you know I get email on my phone but I don't open it I don't look at my email on Friday I scan the subject line to see if this is something that I need to do right now or not and if not then Monday I come in and I got a whole bunch of emails to open so I think those are some of the simple ways yeah but it's helpful this sounds bad but it's kind of helpful that people can't just get a hold of me without going through some steps that's helpful.
1: But you've got to have enough people there, though, that do have your cell phone number, staff, and others.
0: Yeah, and and I tend to think, you know, if, if a staff person is calling me on Friday or at 7 o'clock at night, you know what I'm saying, that they probably need something. I assume that they are doing some of that filtering on their own, you know, because they could just email me if it's not urgent, and I, I can get it later. So. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever set clear boundaries on those things. I think there's just some systems in place that are protecting me and my my wife, you know. And we she have, has limits. We have those too.
2: <laughs> we have those too because we can let messages go to our our you know, the phone call to go to our message sure. and then we can see sure. the urgency of that as well. And, and kind of filter through, well, this is a, is this something urgent or is this something that I can let go and call the people back tomorrow?
0: Here's a great example. Last Thursday, I had taken the afternoon off. Somebody came in and was uh, wanted to see me to let me know about uh, somebody in their family getting a cancer diagnosis. Our receptionist texted me and said, hey, here's the situation. And I got on my phone right away and I called the person who had gotten the cancer diagnosis because to me that's like, that's urgent, right? Like they need a phone call, but that, then I said, "I'll come visit you on Monday." And so in some sense, I dealt with the urgency of it, but also I didn't drive out on that weekend to, to take care of it. I, I set up a visit for Monday, I'm trying to figure those things out of when when do you call? when do you text Because that's a thing now. <laughs> it's like somebody's sister passed away. Do I call or do I text? <laughs> I mean those are real, those are real questions that you know I'm working through a lot of times. And so thought to have, though, is how do you set your boundaries and, and what systems are in place to try to siphon out when is this important and when is it not? So, Mark, thinking of a small church pastor who's new
1: or a young pastor who's just started, they're new, and they're starting out with cell phones and, email and all this stuff. You know, what would you say to them? What kind of advice could you give them? They don't have to go back and fix what they they're just starting. How do you start? Well, in that, that whole area? I would encourage
2: them to to love their people and to find how to minister best to the congregation because every congregation is different. What works over here isn't going to work over there. And uh, to be patient. I mean, it's, ministry is... Takes a while, mainly when you're new. I remember being in Clarion nineteen years, but if a church would have called me the first three years and asked me if I'd be their pastor, I probably would have moved. <laughs> you know. It just it just takes a while and to, to, to be in there for the long haul if you can and, and to develop those relationships so that you can work with the people well.
1: Johnny, that was the right answer, wasn't it? He said, Well, I'm not sure how to answer that and then he said
0: love your people. Yeah. I mean that's, that's- it. What he said is right. I mean what you said, Mark, is Jeff, you're feeling it too. You spend, for me, five years, for Jeff, close to 15 years in a place, and you know what you're doing. You know the people. You know you can parse out these things in your mind and understand what it is. And then you have a whole new group of people, and I have no idea how they want to communicate with me or want me to communicate with them. I have no idea about their lives. I don't know any of that stuff. I'm trying to learn it, uh, and it makes a huge difference. So starting with the love, I love my people. And I can learn about them and figure all that stuff out because I love them. But that's, I think, the first piece for sure.
1: So, Mark, you've had some experiences in ministry, and uh, you had a family experience in ministry. And as we talked about that last week or so, uh, I said, "Boy, you know, would you are you open to talk about this uh, with pastors?" Because as pastors, I mean, we deal with all kinds of stuff, and. I haven't heard of very many pastors who were able to navigate a challenge like you have and still be able to answer the call of God to ministry and a church that walks with you through something like that. So tell us a little bit about that.
2: I went through a divorce in the year 2000. It was the same year that my son, who was an adult, had cancer for the second time. Oh, and that was in May, and I was still married at the time he went through up to mayo and and had some serious treatment, but did well. He actually found a lump on his neck uh, on the night of his running rehearsal and ended up telling his wife when they got back i have I think my cancer's back so we had quite a quite a tough summer that summer, and um our relationship had many of the struggles many pastors have in in their in marriage and any marriage has and through that by the Fall of that year, we we our marriage started to kind of crumble, and I answered the call to go to a new church after 19 years, and and felt that this might be a new start for us, and we had to yet sell our house back in Clarion, so I was going back and forth uh, between Clarion and Clare Lake because my new call was in Clare Lake, and uh, through that time period, maybe a couple months, um, my wife decided to leave, and um, um, that was hard. That was very difficult. In our marriage fell apart. I received my divorce papers on Christmas Eve, just before the Christmas Eve services. Oh, um, And that, man. Was, that was the sheriff's doing. It had nothing to do really with with my my ex wife. But yeah. um, very lonely time. It's really hard to preach when you know that your marriage is falling apart. In uh, in a new church, yet yeah, the leadership knew what was going on. I was honest with that with with them, but the church did not know. So it was a tough Christmas that year. And eventually, um, uh, the divorce was finalized. Went through it, and it's gut wrenching. It's lonely. Uh, you could be, I could be in a room with three hundred people and feel like I was the only person there. I have a heart for divorced people today because of sure. that. I, yeah. I, and I would have done anything. I mean, I, um, I, w- I did not want to get a divorce. Uh, there were financial issues involved too. So there was a lot of debt involved, and she she actually filed bankruptcy. I did not, so I collected all the debt that we had. And we're praise God, I worked hard, and within two years, I had that taken care of, so that was that was a good feeling you yeah. know to to go through that. so
1: when the people in your church found out how did they end up finding out, how did you share that with them?
2: I shared it with them on a Sunday morning, yeah at the end of the service i I shared with them what was going on,
1: and you had been at the church for how long at that point few months, several months? Yeah, a
2: months? few months, yeah. Yeah, three or four months.
1: And what were some of the responses after the service to you?
2: Uh, one, one kind lady came up and said, well, if if to save your marriage, if, if your old church would have you back and you'd go back there, that would be okay. We'd let you go. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. She, was being, oh. she was being kind. But, she, she, had yeah. <laughs> she had the gift of mercy. She had the gift of mercy. But the church was great. In fact, I, I had you know, my solid relationships were with my old leadership, to be truthful. And I have this new leadership that I'm working with as well. And because of my friendships that I had back with my old church, they were, I had friends that were kind of my, my group, my accountability group, you might call them that helped me too. So I actually had a good thing. And I had a couple groups Two different congregations that helped me wade through a lot of that, and they knew that the the old the the other church, my first church, they knew the situation better than my new church did, right? (laughs) Because they 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 knew all of us, they knew the boys, and they knew my wife, and they knew everything. So um, that's kind of where they came in. They, They they were they were good.
0: Yeah, I would think as a pastor, there there are things as a pastor that I don't understand, and people call and they want to talk to me about things and part of it's because i'm 31 part of it's because we're all limited right by our experiences in some way but i gotta think that that gave you a different sense of empathy it gave you a different sense of pastoral gravity that you had never had before oh
2: definitely definitely it it uh mainly for people who like i said have been through uh a divorce, in, in my in my belief, always has been that a poor relationship in marriage is as bad as divorce. You know, a lot of people would say, "Well, we've been married fifty years, but they haven't slept in the same bedroom for thirty of those years, and they haven't talked to each other, and they they don't communicate it, at all." And, and to me, that is that's not justifying what I, divorce. But also, God wants us to have healthy relationships. Right. With everyone, especially our mate. And so to me, poor relationships are,
1: are a front to God, too. So, Johnny, that's really interesting because when he and I were talking in the office, he, he brought that out. He started talking about the quality. So he's not only uh, sensitive to those who are, have experienced divorce or are going through it. He's just sensitive to whether or not you have a healthy or unhealthy marital relationship. Um, That's really good, right, regardless of what it says on paper, and so you know I, I i don't know if I've really thought about it quite like that before that it it makes you it makes you more committed than ever to teach your people as they are in relationships how to have a healthy relationship, and that you know don't be too proud of your marriage license if you haven't really lived it out in mm-hmm. in so mm-hmm. many years I mean yeah,
2: and we'd been to the weekend to remember conferences we'd been to several of marriage retreats and those things. And, and
1: it did not, it didn't make the difference in the long run.
2: I mean, yeah. it did, it made a difference certainly yeah. in our
1: relationship for periods of time, but. So she left and I think you told me that you have a, a fairly good relationship to this day though, with her in terms of communication and.
2: We, we get along. Okay. She, yeah. She's a uh, in Arizona. So there's a distance. Right, uh, and she's uh, the mother of my of my boys, and I respect her. And she's a very loving person and kind-hearted person. Has a heart; it's probably bigger than it ought to be at times, <laughs> but okay. she's a very kind person. And so uh, we have a relationship, definitely, and and uh, we don't fight and we get along fine. Yeah.
1: But today, you are married. Tell us how that came about because that's interesting. This is that you know, and this whole thing. I don't mean to say interesting, Mark, because the whole thing is. I mean you you've lived through all this. And I, I don't even pretend to understand it, but I'm, I'm glad that you're where you're at today. You're happily married. You're serving in ministry. You, you never stop serving in ministry. And uh, so tell us how, how you met your, your, current, your wife. When you're a single pastor, it's a different dynamic
2: as well. And so I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a, you have a lot
1: of eyes watching
2: you. And when you're in a church of people that hover, everybody wanted to be my mom for a while. Hmm. Definitely, and so that was that was kind of an interesting dynamic. As back then, I was what fifty years old. So, so it was a a dynamic that was interesting. It's lonely though. I mean, it's just a lonely valley. To you know, when you go when you go into your house and um, uh, it's just empty. And holidays are never the same. Um, Christmases will never be the same uh, because when you had your family, it's 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 different. But um, begin to actually. Since you asked the question, uh, Audrey and I met on the internet. (laughs) How do pastors meet people? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Pastorsonly.com. (laughs) <laughs> johnny this is
1: the bad part of my memory he told me this but i forgot i forgot and i asked the question sorry mark yeah, it's
0: 2017 that's right it's no exactly right nope nope no, that's how it works yeah, you know how do we talk to people on our cell phones right jeff right. that's your look if something happens to debbie that's your only hope man so don't make fun of mark <laughs> Yes, yeah, we
2: did. She was serving in Victor, Iowa, and I was in Clear Lake, and and uh, we um, met on the Fourth of July and at the fireworks at Clear Lake. Good time to there we to, go to meet. Yeah, there you go. And my, my my actually, some of my sisters were there. So anyway, uh, we met and and uh, we've been married fifteen years now, and we have a. No. Great relationship, yes.
0: You said she was serving. Did we already establish that she was also a pastor? I don't think we did.
2: She is a pastor. Yeah, she was a pastor at um, over by Victor, and she had five churches, by the way, the Methodists. I don't know. But yeah, she had five churches that she served, yes.
0: Uh, five simultaneous Methodist churches? Yes. She had a
2: lay speaker that would speak in two one week and, and then three the next. And oh, then a, okay. A kind of a rotating type situation. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Johnny, remember
0: Chad? Chad was talking
1: about that. Yeah, Methodist Church.
0: Chad was saying how there's, what, like 20 million Methodist churches in (laughs) Iowa or something like that. There's one pastor per church. And then he was like, to be clear, every church does not have a
1: pastor. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs)
0: Apparently some church, five churches would share one pastor. But that's really interesting. So she was a pastor. You were a pastor. You met online. You decided we don't have to fight about theology. Let's instead get married. We did. She moved up to, to the Clear Lake area.
2: Actually, the district moved her up to uh, Ventura. Sure. We got married on a Sunday morning at the Clear Lake Christian Church in Clear Lake, Iowa, during church service. So she was a pastor here in Newton as well. I moved to New. I was called here in October of '06, and of course, Methodists appoint. So she did not come until June of '07. So she was up in Lake Mills living. So we were apart for a period of time, eight months, I think it was. Okay. And uh, worked hard to get together. On weekends we would meet Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if we could, whatever. And she drove down here mostly because we were re- remodeling our house here in town. So, okay. Yeah. So she made the sacrifice more than I. Did. So now
1: in the church, is she is she serving in any way in your church now? She I, is. I, I mean, as in the
2: pastoral role. She she is at um, she serves United Methodist Church in Mitchellville in a little oh, okay. t- little town just a little spot north of Mitchellville called San Diego. Okay, yeah. So she's still so serving. You,
0: you guys for fifteen years have pastored different churches. Correct. So oh, this is like incredible to me. I don't not bad good. It's just interesting. Is that the word you use, Jeff? I did. It's just so I interesting. Did. I think. Uh, friend of the show scott dalen his wife is also a pastor i think they serve in different churches as well it's a dynamic that i can't i mean i guess you have to live it to experience it but do you ever make her listen to your sermons after the fact and say like hey was that any good or does she make you listen to her sermons i mean like what are the what are the pastoral dynamics i understand how marriages work but i don't (laughs) understand the pastoral dynamics of being married to a pastor the dynamics are we we
2: know we know each other well uh, I've had more years of experience than she has. She went into ministry later. Her husband uh, died uh, at, I think he was 43 of a heart attack. So after oh, wow. yeah <laughs> after that, she she entered the ministry. So I've been in longer. So I can give her a lot of pointers and stuff. But uh, she brings a, a great side to me because she's a very organized, very, very organized person. And I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. But um, we, we share, we talk about our sermons. We ask each other, what are you preaching this week? And uh, sometimes, do you have anything about that that I can use? uh so we yeah. share we share resources we try to set some boundaries though uh when it comes to you know she wants me to go to things at her church when they have something special and i want her to come to things at our church when we have something special and and we had to early on say if i want to say no i can say no without feeling like i'm really letting you down and that's kind of hard to do you know so but we did we we honored we we honor that and but yet on the same side it's I want to go to the things that she wants me to go to because she wants me to be there so people know who I am as well, and vice versa, I want want her to
1: be at some of our, our events as well. So, So, Johnny, I know you're thinking this, but... Uh, Mark, what happens when some people from your church get upset with you, and then they end up going to your wife's church? <laughs> I hadn't
0: thought of that, but that's a great question. That
1: would be a good question. <laughs> good
2: thing. Or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it didn't happen. <laughs>
0: oh, my goodness. thats yeah. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Hey, the Harrises! I haven't seen the Harris's in a while. Oh, we just got a they new did. family named the Harris's. Same that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I'm not bitter. That's fine. No big deal. <laughs>
1: so, so Mark, you can go through tragedy, struggle, pain, suffering, and continue in ministry and come out the other side of it.
2: You can, and and I can tell that to people who, who have gone, who are going through a divorce. That it does get better. It, it does, uh, and hopefully the things that you take out of your first marriage that you're not the same person Mm -hmm. so that when you enter into a a new relationship with a new person and it's weird, I'll be honest with you Mm -hmm. when, you know, when you've been married to someone for, for 28 years and then all at once you are with somebody else as your wife, it's just different. And you're you're trying to wade your way through the different traditions they do and the different habits and, and all of it, it, it just is a different dynamic. And yet, you don't want to be that same person that you were in your first relationship because that relationship fell apart, and it wasn't all my ex-wife's fault. I I, I take responsibility in that as well. So I learned some wonderful things out of that experience that I I, I believe I take into my relationship with Audrey. That that has made our relationship a healthier relationship.
1: So it's just the same old thing where you wouldn't ask for the trouble but since you've gone through it, there are actually things that you can learn
0: from it and be a better and different person. Oh,
2: definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Learned way more.
0: This is a first, Jeff. This, and and I'm, I'm glad you were willing to come on and talk to us, Mark, about all this stuff and to get, yeah, to get real about things and say, you know, pastors are people too. And we go through stuff like this too. And not every, not every relationship might look the same. I mean, pastors marrying pastors and different denominations, even. Oh my, I don't even want to think about. I don't even want to think about the theological implications of this, Mark. It's got to be bad, right, Johnny? It's got to be bad. <laughs> this right? guy has to be bad. Though. It has to be.
1: Uh,
0: no, it doesn't have to be. Uh, she's a Methodist, so it's no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You'll have to cut that out, Jeff But out. I'm just glad that you came and yeah, and hung out with us and told your story in an honest and transparent way that I think is going to help pastors that have never been helped like that by listening to our podcast before well thank
2: you i I hope it helps i I have a heart for pastors my my parents i I grew up in the, I cut my teeth on church it was my mom and dad were very active and uh, we moved to Marshalltown and there wasn't a church they were part of a church plant. My mom mainly did Bible Bowl. My dad was elder, deacon. Their best friends were pastors. So I think that's where a lot of my heart has come, not only for the call of ministry, but also to be with other ministers and to help them if I can. And now that I'm an old codger, like in town here, you know, 65 years old and ministry 43 years, hopefully there's some things that I have learned along the way that I can help someone in their walk.
0: Well, I think you just helped pastors today. And I mean that. I I really do think that this was... This was helpful in a way that maybe we've never been before. So I appreciate it. Jeff, what do you got? So if there were
1: a pastor that felt like, hey, Mark might be able to help me through the situation I'm going through, would he be able to get in touch with you? Would oh, you be willing?
2: I'd be more than happy.
1: And t- tell us your email address. My
2: email address is my name without an A. So it's Y O U N G at gmail.com.
1: Okay. Mark yep. Young without the A. Correct. At gmail.com. Okay. Right. Yep. All right. So I think this is going to be encouraging to some pastors who maybe maybe they're going through it right now. Maybe they're about to be forced to get a divorce, and they're thinking, like, you know, life is over. And they hear your story and realize, you know, there's, there's something to hope for. So thank you for You're sharing welcome. that. You're
2: welcome. More than welcome.
1: Johnny, uh, next week... Uh, I'm not sure who we got. You got have you uh you haven't scheduled any conversations for us yet have you? Brother. No,
0: you're right. I'm not I'm not carrying my half of the load here. I Friend. will get on top of that. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'll get on it. We'll you, make sure we have some good stuff. You know the
1: income of 200 churches is going to stop flowing your way if you don't oh, pull yeah? your <laughs> pull your weight. <laughs> I might oh, have no. to, I might have to cut cut it by a certain percentage
0: to cut my salary. What's 50% of zero? (laughs) I'm prepared for it. (laughs) Well, I appreciate this and appreciate your time, Jeff, and your continued ability to unearth such good uh, pastors to talk to. So thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jeff. And we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've
2: been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and to access every one of our hundreds of past episodes, go to 200churches.com slash podcast. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with yet another brand new awesome episode recorded specifically for small church pastors just like you. So until next week, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.
0: Okay. Do you want me to say 256? You're looking at your phone. Jeff, I have a jo- I am an employee. You're an employer. There's a big difference between us. <laughs> and you used to be my employer, and then so then I could do this whole thing and never feel like there was other work pressing because you were my boss. <laughs>
1: It was so nice back then, Johnny.
0: Now it's like, you know, emailing me and I'm like, say what? I said it was so nice. It was so nice back then, you know? It was very nice. I'm not I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying sometimes it's, you know. But I okay. still
1: feel like I should be able to tell you what to do, though.
0: I've noticed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't have some seniority in the 200 churches department, do I? We're kind of equal on I, that, think I think you
0: probably do. I think you probably do. All right. Okay. So you want me to say 256 and then... You want to do this top to bottom or just? Um. Uh, you know, let's just
1: do it top to bottom, shouldn't we? Great. It'd be easier. It would be easier. Yeah, let's do yeah. that.